pray. Like it matters. God's got me on a personal journey at the moment of trying to process through what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, where he says, pray without ceasing. There's been several moments, important moments in my life where God's just really drawing me to himself. Moments where I realize my life must be saturated in praise. What I want you to do, will you take your Bible, will you just hold it just a moment? Will you just take it and hold it a moment? Take it out, your Bible or electronic version, however you brought it in. Can I remind you, God wrote one book. God wrote the Bible for us. Pray like it matters. As you hold your Bible in your hand, your hard copy, your electronic, you will see praying just saturates throughout this book. As a matter of fact, you can't turn many pages in the Bible without Seeing somebody pray, connecting with the Lord. Can we think about Abraham just a moment? That beautiful Bible that you hold in your hands. What can we learn from the prayers of Abraham? Or think about Moses, that leader that Moses had so many insecurities in his life, and Moses felt so unworthy, and Lord, how can I go to Pharaoh? How, how can I do that? Do you know how beautiful it is just to study the prayers of Moses and just see him calling out to a holy, righteous God, a God that is good. Can we think about Jeremiah that we call the weeping prophet? Jeremiah that who God called out. And remember Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, he really was struggling back and forth. And you see Jeremiah 1, it's just saturated with Jeremiah talking to the Father praying, communicating. And remember, God gives the promise, hey, Jeremiah, I'll reach down. I'll I'll touch your mouth. I will give you the words to say. As you study Jeremiah over and over again, it says, and thus says the Lord. All throughout, Jeremiah's preaching, thus says the Lord. Why is that the case? Because Jeremiah's life was just saturated in praying. Or let's move to the New Testament. We think about the Apostle Paul as we studied last week. First Thessalonians, I mean, in that short book that over and over again he said, hey, 
Always I'm praying for you. Pray without ceasing. These are the things that I'm praying for you. When you study the big picture of the apostle Paul's life and all the missionary journeys and all that God did, but you can't study Paul's life without studying his life was saturated in praying. You can't study the New Testament church and all that the New Testament church was doing without seeing that the New Testament church was so saturated in praying. So many times we say, as we study the book of Acts, how, how did the gospel of God spread so fast in the known world? Well, I don't think you have to look very long to see that the New Testament church, it says, and they joined daily and they prayed together. When I was in college, I was a missionary one summer for the North American Mission Board, and, and I, I, I preached 10 revivals in the state of Oregon and Washington, and one of the team members they had with us is a young lady from Korea. She was a student at Southwestern Seminary, but she was from Korea, and she played the piano for our team, but we would talk about her church in Korea, and, and you know, I know there's been a great move of God in that region of the world, but this is what she said. She said, Eric, do you realize what my family did every morning? I said, what's that? She said, we get up early in the morning and every single day our family and the people of the church, we would go early in the morning and every morning we gathered to pray as a church. Could you imagine what it would be like if every morning at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, if all of us, every single day, we got together and we prayed together. As I think about that, I think about last year being in Haiti and one of the things getting, we got up about 5.30 every day, somewhere around around there. But as we're eating breakfast, all of a sudden, every morning and Haiti, I, I could hear coming from the sanctuary. I could hear singing start. Then, then after that, I could hear them pray. The, the church in Haiti, what they did before they went about the rest of their day, and did it every morning, a, a group of people came to the church every day and they prayed. When we think about the life of Jesus, you cannot study the life of Jesus without studying prayer. It's quite interesting when the disciples came to Jesus, the disciples did not ask Jesus, Lord, teach us how we can teach better. They did not say, Lord, will you teach us how to preach? They did not come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, teach us how to do miracles. They, the disciples did not go to Jesus and say, Jesus, how can we be a success? They went to Jesus, and we all know 
They asked Jesus, will you, Jesus, will you teach us how to what? Pray. As a matter of fact, we call that the Lord's Prayer. It's really not, it's more than the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. It is, it's teaching us how to pray. For you see, so much of our life, we want to be a success in our life. Can I tell you, I, I want us to move from trying to be a success that we want to have significance in life and only to have significance. Significance comes as we surrender our life in praying. So much of our time and energy is moving towards, hey, how can I earn enough money for retirement? How can I climb the corporate ladder? How, how can I accomplish those things? Don't focus your life on success, but focus your life that God made my life significant and we are only significant as we surrender in prayer. You got to pray like it matters. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together as a church. We're going to do something a little different. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do so you understand it. This morning, some of you are praying about a decision you've got to make. You've got to make a decision in life and you're praying about it. Some of you are dealing with something emotionally in life and you're praying about something emotionally you're dealing with. Some of you are praying about something physical, some health issue that's going on in your life. Some of you are praying about something that's going on in your family. We want to pray a prayer of surrender in whatever situation you're dealing with. So here's how we're going to do it. Don't move until I tell you what we're going to do. In just a moment, if there's a decision you're praying about, an emotional thing you're praying about, a family issue you're praying about, if there's something's really burdened on your heart that you're praying about, and you want us to pray for you, here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, if you want us to pray for you, in just a moment, I'm going to say, just stand right where you are. In just a moment, don't do it yet. I'll say, if, you're, if you want us as a church family, can I tell you, this is what's special about the body. Have you ever met that person that says, well, I don't have to go to church. I can worship God just as much playing golf. Or I can worship God just as much fishing. I, I can worship God over here. Can I tell you, no, God designed it that we are a body together. Don't allow some petty things in your life. Don't allow other things come in your life to get in the way of being a part of the body and together. So here's what we're going to do. If, if you want us to pray for you, there's something in your life. In just a minute, you're just going to stand up. I am not going to bring a microphone around. You are not going to tell us what you're praying about. I'm not going to do that to you. But here is what the rest of us are going to do. We're going to see everybody that's standing. We're going to look and see who's standing. And then we're going to go gather around each person that's standing. We're going to put hands on them. 
lay hands on them, and we're going to pray a prayer of surrender over them. And our prayer is not their will be done, but God's will be done. Even in the, that disciple's prayer where he said, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to pray together. So right now, if there's something you're dealing with in your life, in any way, and you would like this church body to pray for you, will you just stand up right now? Just stand up. Just stand up all over the ring. Just stand up. All right, if you're sitting down, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look around this room, somebody that's close to you. Pick one of them out, and the rest of us, we're going to stand up, and we're going to circle around them, and we're going to lay hands on them. Just It might be just one on one, or it might be four or five of you. Then I'm going to ask one person to pray a prayer over surrender for them. All right? So everybody, look around. See who's standing up. Right now, I want everybody else to stand up. Go find one of those people, and I just, just put your hand on them. We're going to pray like it matters. If you stood up and we're missing you, just raise your hand so we can get to you. We want everybody that stood up. We got one right here. Can somebody come right here, guys? Come on, Chuck. I'm coming, buddy. Here's what I want you to do. We, will somebody pray? Just Y'all circled up. Just pray right now. Just one person, voice of prayer, a prayer of surrender for that person. Lord God, we pray over every individual, every family that stood to be prayed for. Lord, we pray a prayer of surrender. Lord, in our surrender, Lord, we see the face of God shining down on us. Lord, in surrender, even in times of loneliness, times of great pressure, times of agony, we surrender, Lord, because you are good. Lord God, thank you for this gift of praying. And God, we pray that your will be done. And God, through the situation through it, 
that God, that the glory of Christ will be shown. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to pray like it matters. When I was in college, the church that I was going to in college had a revival, but it was a prayer revival. A man by the name of Don Miller, his call was just as he went to churches to call people to pray. That was a foundational time in my life. It's so foundational that he came back to another area of church and I went through it all again. Just showing how we have to rely upon the Lord in prayer. When we pray and we pray a prayer of surrender, I believe that is where we find significance. When we pray a prayer of surrender, that is when God's face shines down on us. I believe when we pray calling out in total dependence upon the Lord, it's amazing the transformation that God does in us and through us. But let's look at Jesus as he prayed a prayer of surrender. Turn to Luke chapter 22, and we're going to begin in verse number 39. And right there in your Bible, I want you to write prayer of surrender. You're going to see in Luke 22, verse 39, you're going to see that, that Jesus is praying a prayer of surrender. As a matter of fact, as you Look at the book of Luke. Let me ask you a question just real quickly. Out of the four Gospels, which Gospel is the longest of the four? Luke. Out of the four Gospels, Luke is the longest Gospel of the four. I mean, we know that before Luke became a Christ follower, Luke was a what? A doctor. And I don't know about you, but I want a doctor who's pretty detailed, don't you? Well, you're going to see in Luke's account of Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39, I would say these are, the, these are the deep things of God. We hear people that say, man, we want to grow deep in our walk with God. We, we just don't want to be skipping it across the surface because I think so many of our prayers in our life are, are prayers that are just skipping across the surface. We don't want prayers that are just skipping across the surface. We want prayers that go deep down. We're asking God to enlighten our eyes to the truth. We want to ask God to guide our hands to the truth of his word. We want to ask God to place our feet where God wants us to be. We don't want surface prayers, but we want God to take us to the deep things of praying. And this is one of those deep moments as Jesus, we know this is at the end of the day. We know that Jesus, as we study his life, that Jesus started every morning, early off in the morning, praying. And as Jesus went through this day we're about to read about, we know that Jesus just had experienced the Passover meal. He had just 
instituted the Lord's Supper. He is, we just know that Judas is the one that we know that's going to betray. We know that Satan had just entered Judas, and Judas is now out of the picture. He's out of the scene. Now he's going to take the 12, he's going to take the 11. They're going to go from the upper room. They're going to go to the place of the Mount of Olives. To get to the place of the Mount of Olives, you've got to cross the, the Kidron Brook right there. And right now, as they're going to cross this brook of the Kidron, it's at a special time. Remember, it was just a Passover time. It's right below the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount is here. You've got to go down from that. Well, guess what? All the waste of the Temple Mount, all of the blood of the couple hundred thousand lambs that were just slaughtered for the Passover, that blood was there. So picture is Jesus. He's been praying since early in the morning. Passover, instituting the Lord's Supper. We know that Judas is going to betray him. Judas is out of the picture. He takes the other ones. They walk down through this, and now they're in the place of the Mount of Olives. As a matter of fact, the best way to really study this passage of Scripture is to take out a parallel Bible. If you don't have a parallel Bible of the Gospels, I encourage you to, to get one, the parallel uh, Bible of the Gospels, it will show you the account that's given in all the Gospels of these events. This, this event that we're going to read is about the deep things, and you're going to see Jesus Christ is setting an example for us that we are to live a surrendered life. We don't want to live a life of success, but we want to live a life of surrender that brings significance. So let's read it knowing this is a deep moment. I put the surrender life, verse 39. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives. As he was accustomed. So the Mount of Olives is a precious place. The Mount of Olives, it says that he was accustomed of going there. As a matter of fact, it's going to go on to say, and his disciples also followed him. Look at verse number 40. And when he came to the place, mark those words, to the place, what is that referring to, to the place? Right next to that, right in John 18, verse 2. John 18, verse 2. So, he's there at the place. John 18, verse 2 tells us, the place is the Garden of Gethsemane. So, Jesus is at the Garden of Gethsemane that he was accustomed to going to. What is special about the Garden of Gethsemane? We know it's got the Mount of Olives. We know all the olive trees. Really, the word Gethsemane means olive press. The Mount of Olives, this Garden of Gethsemane, it is where the olives would be pressed and it would give out the oil that they could use. It was the olive press. It was a place where those would be pressed in order to give out the olives would. So now we see Jesus and the disciples that are left that are with him. Notice again when it says, and he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. 
But what I want you to see, when we feel pressed in life, we pray prayers of surrender. You're going to have moments that are going to come in your life, and those moments are going to press in really hard on you. You're going to have moments in your life you feel like everything is closing in on you on every single side. You feel like that you are pressed in. When your life is pressed in, what do we pray? When life is coming in at us at a rapid pace and it's very difficult and we feel like everything's closing in, what do we do? We pray a prayer of surrender. So today, how many of you need to pray a prayer of surrender? For a lot of us, we struggle praying a prayer of surrender. Everybody look this way. Why do we struggle with surrender to the Lord? Why is it a struggle for us to surrender? Why, why do you struggle with surrender? I think one of the reasons why we struggle with surrender because I think sometimes we have trouble believing that God is good. It sure is easy for us to say with our mouth, we believe that God is good, but it's another thing to step in a place of surrender, trusting that God is good. I think one person said it so clearly, the longest journey of our life is for surrender. The longest journey of surrender our life is from our mind to our heart. The longest distance that any of us will travel in this issue of surrender is moving surrender from a mind issue to a heart issue. And if we're going to move surrender from a mind issue to a heart issue, when we're pressing, please listen to me. God is good. I want you to know God only does what is right. God only does what is best. I I want you to know God's plans are not to harm you or not to hurt you, but God's plans are to give you a future and a hope. I've got some good news for you. God's plans are that you are significant when you surrender. Sometimes we struggle if God's good. If you struggle about surrender, if you struggle about God's goodness, A.W. Tozer has got a great book on the attributes of God. And one of the attributes of God that A.W. Tozer deals with, I think it's chapter 10 if my memory is right, the entire chapter deals with the goodness of God. Did you know God's kindness comes through His goodness? God's compassion comes through His goodness. 
Can, can I tell you, my first Baptist family, God is good and God only does what's right. God only does what's best. God is trustworthy and God is good. What is the statement that we say all the time? God is good and all the time, God is good. For some of you, you just need to Go get that book on A.W. Tozer about the, and read the attributes of, of God's goodness over the next month. Some of you struggle with the goodness of God. You just need to pick up the, the gospel of John and just see and travel through the life of Jesus and see the goodness of God. Can I tell you, when you feel like you are at the press of this world, when you feel like everything is getting squeezed out of you in the middle of pressure, Surrender. He's good. Notice what it goes on to say in the text of this scripture. Verse 41, and he came and was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed. When you look at all the scriptures in verse 41... It says here he came and knelt down some, it kneels down. Some, the scripture says, and he just fell down. We know that here he is in the garden of Gethsemane. We know that Judas has already peeled off. We know now that he goes on into the garden and he is all alone. And when Jesus is all alone and there's nobody else there, he prays a prayer of surrender. What do we do in the times of our loneliness? If all of us were pretty raw and upfront with each other, all of us deal with times of loneliness. All of us feel at times, hey, I'm with a crowd of people, but even though I'm a crowd of people, I feel so alone. Here is Jesus, the disciples out there. He said, hey, I, I want you to pray. We know with the other text of Scripture with Peter, James, and John, we know all of those guys, they are sleeping. But Jesus goes on in as he's praying. He's praying a prayer of surrender. Please get this. And the times that you feel pressed in, pray a prayer of surrender. And those times that you're all alone and it's just you as Jesus did, what is Jesus going to pray? He's going to pray a prayer of surrender. Look what it goes on to say in verse 42. He's all alone. Saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. When Jesus is praying, take this cup away from me, did, did Jesus had a, a literal cup and he say, hey, Lord, take this cup? No. He said, Lord God, if, if you can take it away because all of the sin, all, all of your rottenness, all, every single wrong thought, every single lie, every, every, every single thing, about you is about to be placed on him.
said, Lord, if, if this cup can pass, please, Lord, let it pass. If, but look at this prayer. Aren't you grateful, Father? If, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless. Here, here's where we've got to get in our life. We've we got to get to the nevertheless part. If, if we never get to the never last part, we're, we're going to live a life of bitterness. If we never get to the never last part, we're going to get to the place of that God is not good. If we don't get to the never last place, we're, we're, we're going to live in a place of anger towards God. If we don't get to this never the last place, we will not experience all that God has. What I think so holds us up as a church, what so holds us up as families, what so holds us up as individuals, we are not willing to pray the nevertheless. Here's what we're going to pray this week as a church. We're going to pray that when we're... When we feel like we're getting pressed in, God, I surrender. When we feel like we're all alone, I surrender. When we... Don't understand what's going on. Let's pray this. Look at verse 42. Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. How many of you would agree with me? That is a profound statement. That is a, a prayer of surrender. As a matter of fact, we're, we're going to be praying it all week long. We're going to pray, God, not my will, but your will be done. Look what happens in verse 43. In the midst of all this, look how God so cares. In the midst of this, God provides for him. Look how he uses an angel. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. Aren't you grateful in those moments when we're praying, God, not my will, but your will be done. Aren't you grateful that God is a promise-keeping God? Aren't you grateful that God will strengthen us in those moments? Look at verse 44, and I want you to mark the first part of verse 44. And being in agony. And being in agony. What does he do? He prayed even more earnestly. That his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You talking about a prayer of surrender? He is surrendering through his agony. Please hear me, my first Baptist family. God is more concerned that you look like Jesus than the comfort of today. We get so worried. God, just make me comfort. God, just make all this work out. God, we just are praying prayers that are skimming the surface where we need to pray the deep things of God. God, your will be done. God, take this agony that I'm going through. And God, I pray it to you. I put this thought down, and, and I want you to get this. 
Why is this so important about surrender? Why, why is surrender so important? Look at this statement, it'll come up on the screen. The condition of your surrender determines the direction of your life. Let me state that again. Hopefully they can find that slide. Why is surrender so important? The condition of your surrender determines the direction of your life. All of us are surrendered to something. And whatever we are surrendered to, it is setting the course of our life. Basically, we are surrendered to one or two things. We're either going to surrender to us. We're either going to surrender to this, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and it's going to move us away from God. Or are we going to be surrendered to Almighty God and draw close to Him, and His face will shine on us? As a matter of fact, I can about tell you where you're going to be six months from now by seeing what you're surrendered to today. Your surrender today sets the direction of your life. You might say, Pastor Eric, I'm not going to surrender to anybody. All of us surrender. When you step on that airplane and you go sit in seat number 25C, guess what? You just surrender to that pilot. When you go into that doctor's office or you go into that hospital and you're about to have surgery, several years ago I had my gallbladder removed. When I had my gallbladder removed, I, 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 I was surrendered to that doctor. I mean, they put me to sleep and there's nothing I could do except be asleep. Let me give you a definition of the surrendered life. And I want you to process this through and I'm done. The surrender life says this. You are my owner, my master, my shepherd, my father. Lord God, I, you're my treasure. You're my wisdom, you're my hope, you're my source of the fullest and lasting pleasure. I renounce finding all of that in me. I look for it now in you because I am utterly yours. Isn't that why Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him? This thing of Christianity, it's just not all of us running the church for an hour and 15 minutes, and we all run out. This is a call of surrender. This is a call that he's our owner, master, shepherd, father, treasure, wisdom, hope. He is the fullness of everything.
But what are we? We're rotten tomatoes. Several years ago, a person came. I was about to leave the office of the church. And the person said, hey, Eric, these are some uh, tomatoes from my garden. I know Mary Beth and loves some tomatoes. Hey, hey, won't you have this bag of tomatoes? Kind of like in a Publix bag, Walmart bag. I said, man, thanks for those tomatoes. We'll enjoy them. I jumped in the car and I threw them in the back seat of the car. I got home, it's in the middle, it's summertime. I, I got home, you know, stuff, to, things to do. Jumped, jumped out of the car. Did our normal routine that night, but something, one thing was different about it. I was going to fly early the next morning on a mission trip, so I packed all my stuff and threw my luggage in the Back of the car, the next morning, I rushed off the church where we're going to meet the church bus, and the church bus was going to take us to the airport so we could fly the rest of the way. So I throw all my luggage in. I pull up to the church parking lot. I take out my luggage. I step on the airplane, and off I go. We have a great mission trip. God did a great work. We fly back. I get off the plane. We ride the bus. We go into the church parking lot. I open up the back of my trunk. What is that smell? I I throw my luggage into the trunk. I close the trunk. I open the door. Then have you ever had one of those moments and the aroma comes? I mean, the worst smell that you could ever smell. I mean, you know, you're about to puke, throw up everywhere. You know, it's there. Then all of a sudden, not only the smell is really bad, all of a sudden, my, my car is full of like gnats everywhere. I thought, what is that? So I start looking, I open up the back door, and there is laying in my cloth seats that bag with those tomatoes. And now after sitting in the summer heat, those tomatoes have exploded. Not only did they explode, but now, I mean, they're they're so rotten, they reek so bad. Now it has leaked through the bag, like eating the bag. And now all that cloth seat is full of this rotten, exploded tomato. I carefully holding my nose with one hand, take the bag and pull it up and watching it drip down all the rotten and all the gnats as I am carrying it out. God bless that person who bought that vehicle one day. What are we? We are a rotten tomato. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us we were born rotten because we were born sinners separated from God. We were not only born rotten, we are rotten. For the wages of sin is what? 
For all have come short of the glory of God. Here's what surrender is. Surrender is saying we are rotten. And Lord God, I bring you my rottenness. I, I bring you my stuff. And Lord God, I, I, I surrender to you. And that means you're my master. You're my father. You're my boss. You're my everything. Lord God, I, I, I surrender my rottenness to you. And I've got some good news. When you surrender your rottenness to him, then all of a sudden you become a child of the king. And now you're a joint heir of the king. You move from being rottenness to a new creation. Well, that's good, isn't it? But we got to surrender. This morning, here's the invitation. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, why don't you come? Say, Lord, I'm rotten. But Jesus, through your death and your resurrection, you can make me new. For some of you as Christ followers, may I ask you, hold on, hold on, don't pack up yet. We got just a minute more. It's only 11.59, I got one minute. Hey, Christ followers, what is it you need to surrender today? Here's what's going to happen. Ken's going to lead us and we're going to sing, and we're going to sing, I surrender all. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Will you come to this altar and bring to him what you're struggling with surrendering? Let's just don't sing, I surrender all. My friends, let's surrender all and say, not my will be done, but his will be done. So if you've never trusted Christ, why don't you come and surrender? Christ followers, why don't you come and surrender that thing you're struggling with? Or maybe you've been visiting, there's several of you. You need to come be a team member. Why don't you come be a team member with us today? Come and join. But let's all say, in our hearts, I surrender all. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you come and meet us when we're rotten. And this day, may we all say, I surrender all. Right now, your heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. In just a moment, when we stand, what is the one thing you need to come to the altar and surrender about today? In just a moment, when I finish praying and we all stand, who is it in this room you need to surrender for the first time? In just a moment, when we stand, who is it needs to surrender? You know God's called you to be a part of our church family. But let's all say, we're going to surrender all. Lord God, I pray as we sing that we will surrender all. Knowing that you are good. Knowing that you only do what's right. Knowing that you only do what's best. God, we surrender all. In Christ's name.
Amen. Let's stand to our feet, pastors. Are-